from the Bet America Radio Network, this is the Who Do You Like podcast. Who do you like? With tips, angles, and information to help you win at sports betting. Now, here's your host, Scott Shapiro. Hey, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Who Do You Like podcast. We've reached the middle of August, and that means some huge racing over the next few weeks, including what should be an awesome rendition of the Traverse Stakes next Saturday at Saratoga. I'm really hoping we get to see Maximum Security, the horse that finished first in the Kentucky Derby and was disqualified, battle with the likes of Game Winner, Tacitus, Code of Honor, and more for the first time since we saw him cross the wire first here in Louisville. This time of year also means just a few more weeks until football begins. In fact, the Packers and Bears get the NFL regular season started exactly three weeks from today in Chicago. We'll definitely take a full dive into the week one slate before that NFC North tilt and then continue to chat NFL nearly full time throughout the fall and winter. But till then, I'm looking forward to closing out the 2019 Saratoga meeting in style the next couple of weeks. I'll bring in this week's guest, James Scully, to chat a bit about the NFL, but mostly about the Travers and the Saratoga Saturday card in just a moment. But first, a quick reminder. If you're new to the pod and like what you hear, you can find it each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe so you know when each new episode becomes available. And if you'd be so kind as to hit the five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, it would be greatly appreciated. All right, let's get this week's conversation started with a man that I believe is the perfect guest for this time of year because he focuses on just about everything I wanted to discuss this week, and that's my colleague at Bet America, Brisnet, and Twin Spires, the muscle man himself, James Scully. Welcome back, buddy. Great time of year upon us. Yeah, it really is. Good day to you, Scott. Thanks for having me on, really. Uh, you know, it just uh, at this time of year, you know, with the, it's nine days till college football and uh uh, I guess two weeks from Saturday or from uh, Thursday to, for, I guess two weeks from today for NFL as well. Is that right? Three. Uh, I think it's three weeks. Three, three, yeah, weeks. three weeks from today. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused my dates, but uh, just to, you know, just really get the butterflies going and excitement feel like, you know, nothing beats uh, the start of the football season. Yeah. Great racing leads right into football. And it's kind of weird uh, on su- this past Sunday. I remember kind of not bored, but you know, not semi uh, busy and just thinking to myself, this is the calm before the storm. Sundays are kind of that slow day, enjoyable, uh, get things done type day, watch some racing and whatnot. But uh, now it turns into the ultimate work day and, and one that we we live for and Saturdays as well. I'm really looking forward to uh, reading your uh, bet, your articles on Bet America about college football as well as the NFL. But we don't have a ton of time to talk NFL today, James, because I wanted to talk mostly about racing. But did want to get the conversation started with some NFL chatter as we gear up for early September. Um, so let's just talk real quickly about a team that, uh, first off, uh, that's getting a lot of positive pub right now. But you're excited to fade in 2019. That could mean from the win totals perspective, that could mean a team you're looking to play against at least over the first three, four games of the year. Yeah, and and to me that's uh, uh, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, that's a little bit outside of the box. I know, like you mentioned, uh, from a public perspective, but I really think that they're in danger of uh, finishing third in that division behind uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. And I just think the loss of offensive production the last two years uh, with uh, Le- Le'Veon Bell last year and then uh, Antonio Brown this year, you know, coupled with uh, 
you know, just some like uh, losses. I thought that Mike Munchak lost their offensive line coach. I thought he was the best in the business. I thought that was a big loss. They 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 had an unexpected death in training camp. RIP to their wide receivers coach uh, Drake, who unexpectedly passed away. And I just think you know, while that defense is obviously extremely good, I think Devin Bush is going to be an impact like rookie type player potentially. They do have some concerns in the secondary, so I'm, I'm I think something could just be a little bit off. With the Steelers like it was last year when they missed the playoffs, Scott. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make, and the Munchak point certainly is one that is worth talking about real quickly because I think someone like myself that's a little more bullish on the Steelers is counting on that offensive line to be one of the best in the in the National Football League and to pave the way for James Conner, Jalen Samuels, maybe even your boy from UK, Benny Snell. And if they don't get mm-hmm. that offensive line uh, help like they have over the last several years where they've really been st- a stellar part of the team, they are in trouble. Uh, I guess I would argue that, you know, if you're talking about the losses to Brown and Bell, well, Bell wasn't even there last year and they ran the ball fine with James Conner. Maybe that'll catch up to them, the loss of talent this year. And Brown is, can be almost more of a headache at times than he can be helpful, as we're seeing so far in Oakland. But certainly the loss of talent can't be uh, understated and uh, definitely makes sense. So you think the Ravens and the uh, Cleveland Browns have a good chance to be better than the Steelers this year. I do, and, and nobody to me I've seen, I haven't seen one person out there, one prognosticator pick uh, the Baltimore Ravens to make the playoffs. They're, when I bet they're over under, it was 8.5. But they won 10 games last year because of how strong they are up front. I think they made some real – I think they made potentially the biggest move in free agency. And I think that dynamic is really going to uh, – of signing Mark Ingram is going to be enormous. Since Ray Rice was kicked out of the league for domestic violence – I think Baltimore has arguably had the worst, one of the worst running back situations in the NFL. They were totally anemic at times last year in the backfield. And I think Mark Ingram can not only be one of the rushing leaders behind that phenomenal offensive line, but I think he will lead at least the AFC in rushing yard, of receiving yards from a running back. So I'm looking for him to be a huge impact player. Impact player. I like how they uh, went out and signed a couple, uh, drafted a couple wide receivers that could potentially help them as the season goes along. That defense is phenomenal. I mean, I love the addition of Earl Thomas. Their secondary, their corners are as good as anybody, maybe yep. uh, along with my, Minnesota. And I, they drafted a kid who won't be starting, but I think he could be an impact player. His name's Jalen Ferguson in the third round. He broke Terrell Suggs record at Louisiana Tech was a little bit, you know, dropped. They were reports had they were going to move up in the draft to get him in the second round. He fell to him in the third round. He's six five. He's big. He's fast. He's physical. He's going to be on the field. And you can just see these gems. Uh, I mean, Darius Leonard last year from South Carolina State, same thing. And I think Ferguson being out of Louisiana Tech was a little bit overlooked. And, uh, to be a real sleeper uh, from the rookie class. Good point. They also brought in Justice Hill to bolster the backfield as a change of pace guy. So they go from Alex Collins and then it was Gus Edwards uh, to those yeah. to, to Ingram and Hill. So certainly good points there. Now moving to the other side of things, uh, what is a team that you're expecting to maybe exceed expectations? A team that maybe the average person or the average prognosticator is either down on or just kind of neutral on and you feel that they're uh, set for a big year. You're in on their win total, maybe even a futures bet to win their division or conference? Well, uh, you know, I mean, 
I mean, I'll, I'll just say, I mean, I definitely am in on Denver's uh, win total being over. I don't think they're going to win that conference first because they're in with the best team in the league, potentially in Kansas City. But I do think they're going to get a playoff berth. And I do think as a wildcard team, and I do think Vic Faggio is going to make an enormous dis, uh, uh, difference. They went out and addressed, but they got two players drafted one, signed one, going to make a big difference on their offensive line. They've got skilled players. And Faggio has Chubb and uh, Vaughn Miller. He, Chris Harris is back. He brought a couple of, he's already, he, they signed a couple defensive backs. That defense could be top three in the NFL under him. And all they need is just, you know, uh, uh, you know, average, you know, uh, they don't need anything special from Flacco. They just need him to be better than the bums they've had there the last couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah, I, I expect Fangio to make a huge difference. Vance Joseph certainly was not a coach that won them a lot of games and maybe you could argue cost them a number of games. And that defense, the combination of Fangio's mind and then you got Miller and Chubb and Harris and crew. You're right. They should be one of the best uh, defenses in the league. That's a very good call by you. They're not getting a lot of pub, especially with the Chiefs and Mahomes. Holmes and Tyreek Hill coming back, along with the Chargers, who had a great year last year, uh, bringing a ton of talent back. So, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm fading the Chargers. I mean, they. They're, they've lost Gordon and Tyrell Williams. I think there will be a hangover, and I just think age is going to catch up to Phillip Rivers this year. I mean, they still got a really good defense, and uh, uh, you know they, they're going to you know be a, a formidable team uh, in the first half of the season potentially. But I look for that team to take a step back. All right, and then just very little explanation, but Super Bowl champ as of today, August fifteenth. Who, who's your pick? Oh, well, I mean, I would go salty. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be be the team to beat for the Super Bowl, but I like the Minnesota Vikings to be as my uh, NFC representative. I think that that defense. Listen, they they got three guys that had the worst year of their season, career of all time. Ever Griffin missed six games with the depression. Wasn't the same player. Xavier Rhodes was hurt all year. Was mediocre. And Anthony Barr turned down $15 million from the Jets. He was hurt in this game last year to come back and make a point in that middle. they got a ton of other great players around them. That's the best defense potentially in the NFL. And with their skill players, they went out and got Risner on that offensive line. He's going to make a big difference at center. And they're going to be uh, – I think that, that, that team's a real sleeper. Yeah, I mean, they're giving, I, I've noticed they're taking money more and more each day in that division, which is a three-way battle between the Bears, Packers, and Vikings. And certainly, uh, add, adding to your point about the defense, uh, underachieving a bit last year because of certain individuals, Kirk Cousins, uh, second year in the system. Uh, they should get the running game going more. Hopefully, they can keep Dalvin Cook healthy. He's he's a bell cow type back when he's healthy. He's just struggled to stay on the field. So, a lot to like about the Vikings and the price is right, James. So, some good information there. And we'll certainly uh, have you back on during the NFL season. But for those of you, until uh, until he comes back on the pod, a lot of uh, you'll have work going on in Bet America, both NFL and college. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, looking forward. To, I'll be previewing games each weekend and both. And, uh, you know, yeah, this is the time of year. I know you're doing the same, doing a lot of work and preparation. 
Yeah, it's totally looking forward to it, the NFL, and uh, also looking forward, James, to uh, the rest of the uh, summer and horse racing. So let's move on to some racing chatter uh, and start with uh, the Midsummer Derby, the Travers, as well as the three-year-old male division in general. Uh, the Travers is just nine days away, James, a week from Saturday. And it appears that we should have a great field to uh, kind of help remove some of the uncertainty in the division. You're going to be attending the Travers again this year. Is that correct? That That is correct. Yes, I'll be there uh, next Thursday. I fly in. So I'll be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And uh, you're right. Uh, it is, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, <clears throat> Jason service isn't going to make the decision on maximum security until Monday or Tuesday, he said earlier this week. And that's obviously a big factor in, uh, not only just like the, the field makeup, but the pace potentially. And I'm a little bit leaning that if, if he's on the fence still, he might just opt away for the Pennsylvania Derby. And if he does, if he runs, he's one of the top three choices in the wagering. If he does it, then you have a game winner who comes in for Baffert off a nice win and Tacitus. You had that trouble trip. They're both formidable. I could see them both winning. Got a little bit of a question about the run styles and uh, how that pace will shape up. A horse I'm taking a look at right now, and it's not my top pick, but I'm definitely like intrigued by him. It's global campaign. When he came back, he went. He ran a really good race in the uh, uh, Peter Pan to win that day, yep. and then he came back off a two and a half month layoff, or a, yeah, two and a half month layoff last time in the Jim Dandy. That was only his second start since February 3rd. He didn't break well. He needed it from a fitness standpoint. He shows a half mile bullet work in like 47 flat the other day that he's going to move forward off that race. If he gets out of the gate and gets on the pace, he's a little bit of an intriguing long shot uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I like the talent of Global Campaign, and like you said, it seems like he did need that race, and I expected him to be on the lead last time in the gym to Andy, and he, did, like you said, didn't come out of the gate that well and pretty much took his chances away from him, and he's going to be a good price this time. He wasn't a very good price in the gym to Andy, kind of the now horse I was included in that uh in that mix uh, you were smart enough to go elsewhere with tax but uh he's certainly a horse and uh you mentioned game winner tacitus you got code of honor you got tax who i just mentioned who won the jim dandy you've got the top two maybe uh another coming out of the curlin with highest honors and endorsed who i thought both ran pretty well as well as looking at bikinis um who looking at the, bikinis would be key because he would add speed to the field if he does yeah and you'd have to assume that he's going to run better than he did in that curlin when he was on a dead rail that day, and it seemed like it was playing to those coming from wide and off the pace. Not sure how good he is, but certainly quite a lot of buzz going into that last race and in general. And then you have Owendale for Brad Cox, amongst others that are likely going. So I'm really hoping, though, James, that we get to see maximum security. We haven't got to see him face the, the likes of Game Winner, Tacitus, Code of Honor, Tax since the Kentucky Derby, which we all know what happened. He crossed the wire first taken down so much uncertainty overall in this division um how do you how do you go about assessing uh the division and your vote if maximum security decides not to go to the what you would pretty much say is the biggest race of the year for this division at this point the travers with the derby behind us how do you continue to be able to assess this horse's you know chances of winning the three-year-old uh division and, and the eclipse award if he's not taking on the, the best of the best again 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good question because I think right now, you know, as a voter, he, he is a divisional leader. I mean, clearly in, in a sense in my mind. But you're right that I thought the Triple Crown was was in, uninspiring. I mean, he ran the best race in the Derby, but then wasn't seen again for another six weeks or or longer. And uh, um, it, it, it's it's shaping up though that these races, both the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby, are going to be enormous. And, and a horse like a game winner, he is 100% trying to do the West Coast double. And by winning the Travers and the uh, Pennsylvania Derby, West Coast wound up being the uh, champion three-year-old two years ago. So, uh, you know, if, if, even if, if, if he skips the race, I think, you know, he, his connections will be rooting for an upset in the Travers. Because if Tacitus or game winner uh, were to win that race, they would gain uh, serious ground on him. Yeah, do you think that uh, game winner doing what you, what West Coast did would be enough, or do you think he, to win the three year old division, assuming uh, maximum security doesn't win the Breeders' Cup Classic or something like that, is it enough this year? Because that was kind of a just like this year when when um, mm-hmm. West Coast won the title, the three year old t- male title, uh, that was kind of an odd year in the Triple Crown. Do you think that would be enough, even though game winner lost in the Kentucky Derby, even though he ran well? Well, I, I mean, I, I think it potentially could, especially if he drilled uh, maximum security in, in at least one of those races. But it, it, it definitely could go either way. Uh, it'd be hard for me to say for sure. And how both Colts performed in the Breeders' Cup Classic could ultimately be the deciding factor. Because you look at the Classic picture right now, uh, we've got uh, we got Pacific Classic this weekend, Woodward coming up, and some big races this fall. But it's a it's an unsettled group as well. So the three year olds mm-hmm. are definitely in the mix in my eyes. Uh, they're going to need to keep improving from a speed for speed figure standpoint, but that's certainly possible. And uh, uh, so it's going to be a fascinating race, and it's going to be uh, it, it, it does have serious uh, divisional implications potentially. Yeah, unlike some of the years where there's two, you know, a horse wins two or three of the Triple Crown races and it's all but over, that certainly is not the case this year. All right, well, let's uh, move to something even more pressing, which is this Saturday's card at Saratoga, James. A couple stakes races included in the late pick five, a couple graded stakes races, and then a non-graded stakes. Uh, let's try to barrel through this with just some of your uh, mo- most pressing opinions. And it starts in race seven with a six-and-a-half furlong maiden special eight event for two-year-olds. $90,000 at the tricky six-and-a-half panel distance. James, I thought this race was relatively wide open and it may be a chance to bust out of the sequence. How did you see it? I, I thought so, too. I thought this was a race where I could go four, five, six deep, potentially on a pick, tick, pick five ticket, depending on the, uh, the amount on the budget. Uh, I, I will say this. I thought the firsters looked best in my eyes. I respect American Butterfly a little bit because Lucas always seems to win a made special weight race in this Irish Neos for motion, second out, first blinkers. But I wound up landing my top pick is number four, Candy Tycoon for Pletcher. Pletcher disappointing me for sure, only non wins, 17 seconds, but he won two maiden special weights uh, two Saturdays ago. He gets them cranked up, and this this trolley candy Colt's working well. The other one I like is unprecedented for uh, Kimmel. Uh, this Byron's been on fire. Englehart had, I think, his fourth or fifth winner, uh, freshman sire, uh, last week. And this unprecedented, uh, his damn one first time out uh, is a half sister to uh, Peter Pan winner, postpone. Fast works, and Kimmel's been known to pop one. I will mention as a long shot play, uh, probably not a good win, maybe more of an underneath exotics. Number nine, Feisty Bird, uh, Carl and Cole making his debut for the state of Mary Lee Whitney and M. Wilkes. 
It shows a fast half mile bullet work at Saratoga. He's out of a dam that is a daughter of uh, Birdtown, um, the uh, dam of uh, of uh, uh, Grindstone, who won the Derby, and Travers, and uh, Birdsong, who won the Kentucky Oaks and Acorn. So that's a regal family. Like I said, shows a fast half mile work and uh, is well drawn outside. All very good points there. And like you, I think I am uh, mostly against the horses with experience. I expect Irish Mia's to be a little bit over bad, and she certainly, or he, sorry, certainly finished full of run in that race that was washed off the turf on July 24th. But I'm always a little bit leery playing horses back off of big efforts when they missed the break uh, and ran on late. They had blinkers. I'm not sure whether that's a positive or not. The horse didn't take a lot of money in a six-horse field, and really it looked like Graham Motion wanted this jersey bread to run on the turf. Gave it a shot on the dirt. Now he's sticking to the dirt. So certainly a horse that's capable of winning, but I don't expect the price to be too enticing. And the same could be said for number one cost basis for Chad Brown, who really hasn't unleashed his best two-year-old dirt colts yet, if there are any. Uh, we've seen some in the past, Practical Joke, Complexity, those horses um, unleashed the second half of the Saratoga meet, sometimes in, tr- in time for the hopeful, sometimes later on. Uh, I don't know if cost basis is that, and the rail is tough Uh Full sister to this horse is 0 for 13 already, so that's not encouraging. So definitely a horse to watch the board on. But from the rail, I think I'm willing to take a chance against cost basis and also against Irish Mias. Um, the second race in the sequence, James, is the uh, first of turf ra- uh, first stakes race. It's on the turf, $100,000, uh, the smart and fancy stakes. And I think my single in the sequence is in here. I'm curious uh, as to your take on the race. Well, my top pick in here is uh, the number eight uh, bird uh, Broadway run. Uh, really liked uh, this. Uh, I like that. Uh, I thought that was a really uh, solid uh, uh, third last time off the freshening uh, for this one. And um, huge jockey switch, I think, from uh, Dylan Davis, Lee Saez. Well drawn outside today after being an inside post last time. Has good speed, adds blinkers, which first time blinkers 26% for Terra Nova. And uh, I just think he's this, this Philly's eligible to trip out from out there. Uh, I will mention real quick, the other one I would use, I'm going to fade uh, uh, Mortician Alexandra, but too much tip is definitely intriguing. Uh, the claim for 30, three back, uh, switched the turf, became a different horse, ran second, two back, a minute to start him, came back and won the honorable miss at uh, Saratoga at a price, and then a really sharp win last out. Yeah, they ship in third off the layoff. Trainer Francis Abbott, this horse is a win machine, seven for 18. Those inside posts to me uh, for horses with this running style, less than ideal at Saratoga in these five and a half panel turf sprints, but certainly a horse that should provide value. And Broadway Run is my pick for second in this race. I do love the rider switch, and I like the move from the inside post on July 21st and the caress to the outside post. And uh, she certainly has run well over this course. But I'm on Marticia here, James. I I thought the Mm -hmm. ride last time uh, on this mare was uh, somewhat criminal almost by Tyler Gaffleone, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, but Horse broke, you know, race had very little speed on paper for this kind of uh, this 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 kind of race. And she breaks on top and he takes a hold uh, and basically lets the uh, long shot go wire to wire in Monomo, I think it was 27 to one and ran on evenly uh, to finish third. But 
this horse is better than what we saw that day in the caress, and I expect a Rod Ortiz Jr. who takes over for Tyler Gaffleone. Obviously, Rusty Arnold was not too pleased with that ride as well. I expect E-Rod <laughs> to have this horse in the right spot, unlike Tyler did last time. Three for four in the money at Saratoga, second off the uh, the freshening. And I just think she's a better, a classier horse than these and is going to get the job done. And I'm going to look to uh, single in a spot where I think most people will go a couple deep and probably look to single and maybe the uh, one of the upcoming stakes races. And one of those is the ninth race, and that's the grade two Lake Placid, mile and a 16th for three-year-old fillies. A so, couple of these coming out of the Lake George, which is a three-horse race. It was all Chad Brown horses, a tough race to get a feel for. And then you have Varenka, who uh, was very impressive last time over this course with a neck win over Chad Brown's catch-a-bid. Uh, do you have a strong opinion in this one? I do. I mean, this this is a race where, you know, and, and, and your points about Marticia are valid last race. I mean, I could see throwing her in maybe, but uh, uh, Varenka to me is like a kind of horse I'm going to look to single. And the, the thing is with her race, I just love the return to stakes company here for this ghost after Philly. She showed good class last year. I like that uh, uh, maiden win. I mean, she was very, uh, I thought, sharp that day, May 11th, when she came back this year. The regret you know, she, I, I thought she had like, you know, she was just like, I thought she was almost a little rank in traffic that day. I wouldn't watch that race. And, you know, I think she just might've needed it from a, a fitness and experience perspective as well, because I thought she really improved off that last time, a uh, terrible trip from an outside post on the inner turf, uh, draws, uh, inside today for a ground saving trip. And I think she'll be a long in time with uh, Jose Ortiz. I mean, with yeah. Javier Yeah, Javier back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I do love the inside, the move from the outside post to the inside for a horse like this that's going to obviously take back and come with one big run. And I do think she's the most talented horse in here and would be my top pick. Always just a little concerned. Doesn't look to be a ton of pace in here. Uh, so maybe up against it from a, uh, a, a flow standpoint. But Varenka, certainly a very talented filly, uh, evidenced by the fact that Graham Motion ran her in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly and Mare Turf. Uh, sorry, Juvenile Philly Turf uh, mm-hmm. at 40 to 1 before she ever won a race. So uh, not something that Motion does, you know, regularly. He's, he's not that aggressive. So I always uh, kept kept an eye on Varenka, and she really seems to be getting better uh, into her three-year-old Philly season. I thought that race against Ketchabed last time was as good a race as you could have for that level. Um, any thoughts on the Brown duo? I had a real hard time with these because of the fact that that last race was so hard to judge, blowout, and Regal Glory. Oh, yeah. I think Regal Glory is, is the better one of the two, uh, in my estimation, just because uh, – uh, she still has like a, you know, upside to, uh, in, in my eyes, um, you know, that, that she didn't be much of a field per, per se in that 10 Oaks and wasn't really like gaining, uh, late and, you know, it was just grinding our way late in those races earlier this year, but that was a game performance, got her confidence in the right direction. So, uh, I mean, she definitely, uh, uh worries me a little bit. It's interesting yeah, because ran- wildlife is cross entered to Del Mar. I'm not exactly sure where she's running, but I, I would think, you know, maybe hopefully she runs in this spot. Yeah, she was impressive last time. She can't seem to get out of the gate yet, though, in all three starts she struggled. <laughs> yeah. And that'll be a lot to uh, overcome and, and having to, you know, outkick Varenka and run down the Brown duo. But uh, that was an impressive effort at Ellis last time, just like the one at Churchill Downs was on June 28th.
All right, let's go to the featured grade one Alabama here, James. We have uh, we got a few more minutes left. Yeah, we got a little bit of time left here. And let's go to uh, let's go to the Alabama grade one for three year old Phillies. We talked a lot about the three year old male division. Uh, you would think that the winner of this race would be in the mix, perhaps uh, fourth the three year old Philly Honors uh, Clips Award, uh, Dunbar Road, and. Um, uh, Point of Honor are the the two uh, likeliest winners, perhaps in this spot. Uh, where did you land here, James? You know, Scott, I landed on uh, number one Dunbar Road. I mean, she's definitely my top pick. I mean, I'm, I might go too deep in here, but I would not use. Uh, I'm going to try to beat uh, Point of Honor. Now, I do like her numbers. I like Point of Honor's form, but I just see her as like too much of a plotter. And this, I think Dunbar Road has a lot more tactical speed. I just like the way she wins, like convincingly too. I think that's a feather in her cap. But her one set back, which she didn't have the best trip in the Gulfstream Park Oaks that day. I think she's a Philly with still a, a big upside for uh, Chad Brown, and she's my top pick. Now, I will mention that number six, uh, Ulay, uh, to me, she's a little bit intriguing from Brad Cox because I could see where uh, – Potentially, she could get clear in the early going. Then yeah. that race two back uh, in that in the Iowa Oaks, uh, she was in post one, and Lady Apple was in post two, and Lady Apple was just allowed to just like dog her the entire way before turning over, turn uh, taking over late. And I just think it's going to be a different trip today for ULA. He, I think Rosario is going to look to send her, and uh, she's got a little bit of a wire to wire upset chance if uh, if somebody's going to knock off the the two favorites in here. No, from a from a pace. Per- perspective i definitely agree she looks that to, to be the uh the the, bet, the speed in this race and the only horses that i could see kind of being uh to, to get in her way are the two inside horses dunbar road and lady apple but they're not as fast as her and i think both of them will be content to kind of sit along the inside and and sit just off of you lately and try to get her when they turn for home lady apple was able to grind out that win in the grade three iowa oaks against you last time that was a mile and a 16th though mile and a quarter i have serious concerns about lady apple's ability to get a mile and a quarter mm-hmm. but like you i think dunbar road is is the is the best horse in this race and i think outside of you she has a very good chance to get the best trip in the race as as well sitting just off the pace along the inside now we talked a little bit about the three-year-old male picture for champion. Where do you see the three-year-old Philly picture at this point? Well, I, I, I think it's even more scrambled, that's for sure. And, you know, Chad Brown, if, if Dunbar runs, road wins this, uh, it's really going to shape up to be, uh, I think, between uh, Dunbar Road and Garana, who's coming yeah. on back-to-back wins in the Acorn and the Coaching Club American Oaks. So, uh, it, it's, it's sort of an unassuming group where somebody could like take a big step forward and, and win a couple of stakes, uh, uh, they could make a, a, a move, but, uh, it doesn't look likely because there's just isn't much depth in the uh, division, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember you interviewing uh, Chad Brown about Dunbar Road uh, on the work show we, that we do, uh, Churchill Down Twin Spires work show. Uh, and the horse never got in, but you could tell he wanted her to get in, and he had a lot of confidence in this daughter of Quality Road. And if she runs the table, uh, she certainly has as good a chance as anybody, and, and getting a win in the Alabama would certainly vault her into better position than she is now uh, with just the two, with just the one grade two win and then the tough trip, as you mentioned, in the Gulf Stream Park Oaks. Uh, all right, let's close things out, James, with the 11th uh, estate bred allowance event, seven furlongs over the main turf. Uh, any any uh, 
thoughts on this one? Where to go? Is it a spread race? Do you have a strong opinion? It, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm looking at three deep. I think I'm going to give a slight edge to take me to Harden. I, I thought that was a nice debut win at Spa last year. I think that third in the stakes debut. I think she's eligible to get the right trip with her tactical speed if she comes back ready to run. Obviously, more mischief. More mischief. She's a grinder, so I'm a little concerned yeah. about her like placing again. But I'll definitely use her. And there's a, a long shot in here. I know there's some other speed trouble for Skylar and others, but let me just point out that number one fancy case broke her maiden in front running style uh, last year in a main claimer. I mean, a pitiful field off the turf, but she got out there on the lead and she has two starts under her for Pat, Pat Kelly and puts his, uh, you know, Benjamin Hernandez. I mean, to me, his whole job is to send this really hard from the starting gate. And if none of the speed, if the other speed doesn't show up, it wouldn't be impossible to see like a 20 to one wire to wire win from this Philly. So I just wanted to mention her real quick. Nothing wrong with throwing out 20 to one shots on this show, James. I do appreciate it. The, the uh, six horse you mentioned, take me to Hardoon, I believe probably named after uh Rags and sheets connoisseur, uh, John Hardoon. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but uh, I could be wrong, but yeah, this looks like a challenging way to end the sequence. I still have to do a little more diving into it myself. I thought sweet, Meadow Miss was a tad interesting, but uh, with that late closing kick. But as you mentioned, might not be a ton of pace in here. And I thought more mischief was the kind of horse that can win. You know going in can win. But as a gambler that plays the horses regularly, a kind of horse you just have to be willing to let beat you. Kind of just runs around, you know, kind of plotty, as you mentioned. Doesn't have a real strong kick uh, and is likely to take quite a bit of money for Chad Brown, who uh, certainly has won quite a bit of races, only 18% uh, as of now, I believe. Uh, but but beating himself a lot hurting hurts that percentage. All right, James, we got a lot accomplished in the uh, in that sh- short period of time. We've got you uh, fading the Steelers, promoting, endorsing the Denver Broncos and the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, definitely outside the box thinking there for the most part. And uh, we have you as maximum security as three-year-old of the year at the moment, but a lot could change. Is, is that correct? That is correct, Scott. And uh, we'll be in touch, uh, you know, uh, Good luck with your upcoming podcast. Really enjoyed being on. Thanks, James. And real quick before I let you go, I understand you're going to be having a seminar uh, at Saratoga next week. Travers Day uh, at the Saratoga Trekside Bar Grill. It's right outside the clubhouse entrance. Uh, Come by there, get a breakfast sandwich. Travis Stone and I at 11 a.m. are going to be previewing the the Travers Day card with a big focus on the uh, late-graded stakes in that sequence. Should be a dynamite day of racing. Yeah, one of the best days of the year in racing the Travers when it's as good as it should be this year. A great headliner, but tons of other grade one events. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, hopefully seeing pictures at the very least of what you guys did there. You have a great uh, co-host in Travis. Looking forward to him actually being on the pod next week to talk about the Travers. So a lot of Travis Stone in our lives coming up, James. But uh, thanks again for the time and uh, enjoy your weekend. All right. All the best to you, Scott. Thanks for joining me again this week. As I mentioned before, next week, Travis Stone will be on to talk about the Travers and the rest of that awesome card in Saratoga. But until then, good luck in all your endeavors. This has been the Who Do You Like podcast. For more information and to place your bets, go to betamerica.com.